You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. so grace abounds over the next words. God forbid. God forbid. A suggestion that Christians don't sin. We do, but we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. There's a big difference from a person who sins and is sorry for it and repents from it and doesn't want to do it to the one who continually sins willfully, habitually, over and over and over and over. It's okay. God will forgive me. When you compromise your moral standards, you allow the devil to enter your life. Pastor Dave shares the difference between the Christian who sins and repents and the one who habitually sins without remorse. Christ offers grace and forgiveness, but this isn't an excuse to sin at any opportunity. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 4 as he continues his message. Solomon, Administrator, Scholar. Deuteronomy 17, kings were not supposed to collect horses. They were not supposed to collect horses. These governors, with each man in his month, provided food for King Solomon and for all who came to King Solomon's table. His table must have been six miles long. I can only imagine all these people around this table. It must have been incredible. There was no lack in their supply. They didn't lack anything. These people lacked absolutely nothing. They had everything going for them. They also brought barley and straw to the proper place for the horses and siege, each man according to his charge. So not only do you have to feed Solomon and all of his people, you've got to feed the horses too. How many horses? 40,000 stalls for horses and chariots? That's a few horses. I wonder who cleaned up? Never mind. Um, Israel had grown into this very, very large nation. Numerous as the sand in the sea. They're having a good time. There's peace and safety. They're eating and drinking and they're making merry. They're having a great time. God has truly blessed the nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. There was unity. Oh, how beautiful it is for them to live in unity, God says. It's like the dew coming down over Mount Hermon and running into the beard, the oil coming down into the beard of Aaron. God loves it when his people are in unity. He loves it when his people are unified of one cord, one mind. And he's blessed them. Incredible. All the promises that God had made to their forefathers are now coming true. They have it. They're right there. Everything is going the way God had planned it. The nations around them all submitted to Solomon's rule. They gave him tribute, which means they brought presents to him, giving him tribute. Solomon was the beneficiary of the covenant God had made with his father. And he was the beneficiary that David had killed all his enemies and no enemies were there. Sadly, we begin to see Solomon doesn't take the law of the Lord to heart. And although the nation prospered, small compromises to God's commands were starting to arise. We already talked about the wives. Now we have the horses. 
Now he starts collecting horses and horsemen. This was contrary to God's law concerning kings in Deuteronomy 17. These small compromises would begin to eat away at the fiber of the kingdom. It would start to eat away at Solomon's heart, at Solomon's throne. Why was this happening? I can tell you. Solomon did not have the relationship to God that his father had. Solomon did not have a steady and steadfast relationship with God. He had many pagan wives, and we read before that they were planting seeds of discord into his heart. They were planting seeds of bitterness into his heart. And his heart was growing weak towards God. Compromise is extremely dangerous for the Christian. It's extremely dangerous. We start giving in our standards. We start accepting sin in our lives and in other people's lives. We allow it to, to take root, and we compromise our Christian values. Man, when this happens, we are on dangerous ground. Dangerous ground. But the problem is recognizing that you're in compromise. And if a brother or a sister comes to you and says, Man, it looks like you're sliding a little bit. Don't you judge me. I was here as a brother to tell you that you're sliding. Those who are spiritual need to restore the others who are sliding and having problem time. It's a difficult slope. God gave Solomon great wisdom and understanding. and It's incomparable in this world. Everyone marveled at the wisdom that Solomon had, and he, he was greater than anybody, and had wisdom far greater than anybody ever had, and Scripture says that anybody ever will. Solomon became an international celebrity. People from the four corners of the world came to him to seek his advice and to seek his counsel. But pride and compromise started to creep in. Pride and compromise started to creep in. Look at 29. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largest of heart like the sand of the seashore. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled wisdom of all the men of the east and of the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men. The Ethim, the Ezrite, and Heman, the Chakol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal. And his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Also, he spoke of trees, from cedar, tree of Lebanon, even to hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of the animals, of birds, creepy things, and fish. And men of all nations, from the kings of the earth who had heard this wisdom, came to hear Solomon. So not only was he an administrator, he was a scholar. He was a scholar. He knew all about plants and trees and all kinds of things. He wrote songs and all those kind of things that have been lost forever. It's interesting to me that Solomon spends a lot of time sinking into pride. He started to believe his own press clippings, taking wives, taking horses, having horsemen. Can you imagine the pressure on someone who Everyone in the entire world thinks you're the smartest person in the entire world and they want something from you and they come to you for counsel? You must think you're pretty cool. You must think that you're pretty good. And what's interesting, no less than one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times in the book of Proverbs, written by Solomon mainly, pride is talked of. And it's never mentioned in a good light. 
It's never mentioned in a good light. Proverbs 8, 13, 11, 2, 13, 10, 14, 3, 16, 18, 21, 24, 28, 25, and 29, 23. It's incredible. Solomon was a wise man, but in Proverbs, all those times, pride is talked about. If you look at it, if you start to go through it, it starts to add up. 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way, and a perverse mouth I hate. And he goes on to say, counsel's mine. 11.2, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with humble is wisdom. 13.10, by pride comes nothing but strife but with well-advised is wisdom. 14.3, in the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Now Solomon was supposed to be a wise guy. He had all this knowledge, all this wisdom. He couldn't apply it. He started to slide, thinking he was better than this. 16.18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 21.24, Proud and haughty man, scoffer is his name. He acts with arrogant pride. 28.25, he who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. 29.23, a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble in spirit will retain honor. Solomon wrote most of those. But here he is slipping in the sin of pride. One commentator said this about pride. Quote, pride is the ground in which all other sins grow and the parent from which all other sins come. Pride of the flesh, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. All sins flow from that. All sins come from that. Solomon had been given a great gift from the Lord. And although he grew in understanding and he, Lord God gave him a, heart, a largest of heart, he slowly compromises standing with the Lord. Compromise is extremely dangerous, not only in our own hearts, but in a church as well. Compromise is extremely dangerous. In Revelation chapter 2, there is a church. It's called the Compromising Church. It's the Church of Pergamos. In chapter 2, 12 through 17, and to the angel of the Church of Pergamos write, these things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name. It did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hope the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak and put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual impurity. Thus you have also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will, will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, I will give to him the hidden manna to eat and will give him a white stone, and on that stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Church of Pergamos was a compromising church. They started to let things slide in. We've got to be ever careful. We have to be ever careful. They used to have an altar in Pergamos that was an altar to Zeus, 
and it was the center of Caesar worship. There was idolatry, wickedness, and sexual immorality. What was the sin of Pergamos? One commentator said, it's a sin you can have your cake and eat it too, philosophy. I can do whatever I want because I'm saved. I can do anything I want because I'm saved. This is how a lot of people want today. They come to church when they get around to it. They go out and they live like they're not even in church. I can, you know, remember what Dave used to say? Sunday saint, Monday ain't. They want to party and commit sin, commit immorality. They want to lie. They want to cheat. They want to steal if it suits them and they hate and get revenge on somebody. The idea of sitting to your heart's content and telling yourself God will understand. Paul say, shall we sin more so grace abounds? What were the next words? God forbid. God forbid. A suggestion that Christians don't sin. We do, but we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. But there's a big difference from a person who sins and is sorry for it and repents from it and doesn't want to do it to the one who continually sins willfully, habitually, over and over and over and over. It's okay. God will forgive me. Compromise is great from the pit of hell. Look back on the times of your life when you've fallen into sin. You probably can trace it back to a series of missteps that happened long before. Little things you've given into. Little things you've allowed. You know, I'm just not going to read my word as much anymore. It's just, you know, it's not doing anything for me. I don't want to pray. I don't want to pray that much. I don't, you know, I can watch church from home. I mean, after all, I'm the temple of God. I can have church wherever I want to. I don't need to fellowship with the brethren. I can do whatever I want to do. Little tiny things, little tiny things start to sneak into your life. And pretty soon, a wedge is there. And Satan drives that wedge in. And he loves the fact when you start compromising because he knows where compromising leads. Compromising leads to be separated. You're way down that end. And the wedge is huge between you and God. And I guarantee, I guarantee, because I've been there, I've done that, I guarantee that when you're down that end, the first words out of your mouth are, how did I get here? How did this happen? I don't know how it happened. All I did was tell her she had a nice dress on. And now I'm in a full-fledged affair. We start compromising our values. We start compromising our Christianity. And we can fall into a very large well that goes deep. And we can get stuck in it. And this is what Solomon did. Solomon did this. Solomon begins when you leave your first love, Jesus Christ. You compromise when you leave it. You don't lose it, but you've left him. This was the problem with the church of Ephesus. You've left your first love. Not that you didn't lose it, you left it. You walked away. Show me a person who is not living in close fellowship with God, and I'll show you a person who's on the way to bigger problems. Just a matter of time. I can handle it. Can you? I can handle it. If there's a breakdown in your relationship with God, it's only a matter of your time until compromises start making their way into your life and you start lowering your standards. You start lowering your standards. If you stay close to Jesus Christ, he will keep you strong. He will give you strength that you need to say no. He will give you strength to know your freedom and where it exists. 
by the Holy Spirit, you will have the power to resist if you're relying on God's power, not your own power. And as we continue in 1 Kings, we're going to see more and more and more compromise on the part of Solomon. So how does he become an example for us? There, there are positive lessons to learn from Solomon's life, but there are so many negatives. Solomon as a king is, is different than us. But as a sinner with divided loyalties and propensity to turn away from God, he's every bit like us. He's every bit like us, and we can learn so much from him. We we can see in his life the the most pressing temptations of all the believers that had at that time, and he fell for them. Solomon's devotion to the Lord was extremely weak. It says in 1 Kings 11:2, because he clung to his wives, and they earned him from the Lord. He allowed the pagan tree of the wives, the idolatry, to turn his heart from God. In the name of love, teaching God's word is so paramount. Being in God's word, listening to God's word, practicing God's word, applying God's word is so important to the Christian. That's why we tell you to read God's word on a daily basis. That's why we tell you to be in God's word. And sometimes I think I'm speaking to the choir because you're here right then again. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what happens after you leave here. I don't know what you're thinking right now. Some of you might be saying, will you this guy ever shut up? It's between you and God, not between me and you. It's between you and God. When we see positive examples for faith, we should apply them to our own lives. But when we see negative examples, we should be far from them. We should know that God is trying to tell us something. God speaks to you, even through passages like this. He speaks to you every day. He wants to speak to you. This sinful desire that we have is not going to go away until we see the Lord face to face. We have to put off the old man. We have to put away the old man. For we've died and he was buried. He's done. We've been resurrected in new life. We've been born again. And we have a new life. We are dead to sin, but we're alive in Christ. So we need to put that on and move in that. We can't be entangled and ensnared in the ways of the world, in the ways of life. we got to know that we're just visiting here. We're sojourners. We're pilgrims. We're just passing through. This is not really our home. Our home is really in heaven. A citizen we await, it says in Philippians. Our home is in heaven. We have to be careful of rebellion. We have to be careful of rebellious hearts. We have to be careful when we think of those things. And you're going to see as we study Solomon all the way through to his death. He starts out pretty good. God said he gives him everything. God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and a largest of heart like the sand of the seashore. Man, Solomon had it all going for him. Had everything he needed from God. You as a Christian, guess what? You have everything for life and godliness in Jesus Christ. It's been given to you. It's a free gift. But some of us are saying, I don't want that gift. Eh, no. You've heard the old story. You're offered steak. I don't know. That garbage looks pretty good. (laughs) I want the garbage. I don't want the steak. God is offering you a beautiful life in him. And so many of us are rejecting it. 
we're rejecting that life. We're rejecting that lifestyle. We don't want that lifestyle because there are so many things in our lives that are more important. Some of those things are good. Some of those things are good. But there's so many things that we feel are more important. And this is what's happening to Solomon. Subtle, subtle thing. He was an administrator. He was a scholar. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. Had everything going for him. King of all Israel. Over numerous, like the sand of the sea, were the people that he ruled. Started collecting wives. Started collecting horses. Started collecting chariots and horsemen to drive them. Started doing all these things. Well, my dad had wives. He could say, dad had a lot of wives. Dad had mighty men around him. Why can't I? But dad also had a great relationship with the Lord. His father, David, had one of the best relationships, a man after God's own heart. How many other people in the Bible have, been set, have that been said of? David was a man after God's own heart. Solomon was not. Solomon was not. And that's what got him into trouble. So what am I telling you today? I'm telling you to stay with God. Stick with Christ. Stay in the word. Stay in fellowship. Pray and stay close to him. Never see yourself separated from him. Know that his love will constantly be available to you. Never turn to the left or to the right. And know that he wants to do a mighty work in your life. And he loves you with an everlasting love. Loved you so much that he went for a cross for you. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Don't let that go to waste. Solomon, unfortunately, lived under the law. He lived under the law, but you have the new covenant in God in Christ's blood. Covenant based on Jesus Christ, not us. He did it. We don't have to. It's done. Finished. But as we read our word, we find what he wants us to do. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Have fellowship one to another, and his blood will continually cleanse us from all sin. See, so the Bible is not all names that are hard to pronounce. There's some meat in there that if you dig hard enough and look hard enough, you'll find it and let it come out and change your life. Let it come out and make you new in Christ. Be the new person you are in Jesus Christ, the new person that Christ died for. Army has a slogan, be all that you can be. Well, we should be all that Christ wants us to be. We should be all that he died for us to be. That includes all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If God wants them for you, how bad can they be? We should want everything God wants for us. Anyhow, I'll step down off my soapbox. As we study, you'll see, you know, this guy started out like a house of fire. Man, he's smoldering now. He's smoldering because the flames went out and he's not on fire anymore. You are a sure.
Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of 1 Kings. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they're available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for times and directions. And if you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 1 Kings. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from 1 Kings. But until then, we encourage you to read through the Bible on your own and tune in next time on A Sure Hope.